Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Music Buzz Podcast. podcast features candid discussions with and about those behind the scenes in the music business, including industry veterans representing the segments of musician, design, and live. All three Music Buzz podcast hosts have spent their careers working with the biggest names in entertainment and have been and are still a fly on the wall. Dane Clark as the drummer for John Mellencamp's band for over 20 years and various solo projects. Hugh Sign, a world-renowned graphic artist for the biggest names in music and the corporate world. Andy Wilson, an award-winning marketing and public relations executive with over 20 years of combined multi-level entertainment industry experience in the music and sports business. Now let's buzz. Hello and welcome back to the Music Buzz podcast. I'm Andy Wilson along with Dane Clark. Hey, Dane. Hey, Andy. And Hugh Syme. How's it going, Hugh? Doing really well. Thank you, Andrew. Today's guest on the Music Buzz is Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, highly successful solo artist, best-selling author, original lead guitarist, vocalist, co-founding member of the rock band Kiss. His latest album is 10,000 Volts. Welcome to the Music Buzz, Ace Fraley. Hello, everyone. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back a little bit here. When I was a 14-year-old kid, I vividly remember watching the Mike Douglas show in 1974 at a, a real good friend of mine's house after school. I remember we were sitting on the couch. We had popcorn, so we must have known. I don't remember that I'd already had your first record, but we knew you were going to be on there. I remember seeing Gene get interviewed and you guys doing Firehouse. You guys kicked ass, blew our minds. That first album was still always my favorite one back then. But but later, when Hotter Than Hell came out, I don't know, six months later or something, I snuck it into the house because I thought, man, I hope my mom's not going to want to see this album cover, right? So she comes in my bedroom, and uh, she saw that cover, and she just looked at me and said something about, I can't remember what our pastor might think about that, and broke it right over her knee. So, and I thought, man, you guys sure were doing your job as rockers, infuriating parents back then. So uh, I appreciate that. My pastor wasn't too happy about it myself. <laughs> <laughs> but bam, I'll never forget that. It was like, I don't know how much records cost back then, but shit. Yeah. There's five bucks down the drain. I bought that record. Now I got to go get it again. Sneak it in the house. They didn't have streaming back then. No, they did not. They did not have streaming. And uh, I had to I had to sneak it back in in a brown paper wrapper. Uh, she didn't she didn't want to look at you guys. Uh, you know what you should have done? You should have taken a, a religious cover and put the kiss put out the, in it. <laughs> I should have. 
I should have, but I wasn't that cool. I didn't I hadn't that figured out. And I just figured, ah, she's not going to look again, and she never did. So a closer walk with V with Ace Freely and. <laughs> but anyway, I was really pissed off about it for a while, but I got over it. But let's let's skip forward fifty years, man. Ten thousand volts, this new record, uh, in your face, rockers. That uh, the two t- tunes that I've heard, ten thousand volts and walking on the moon. I especially love that riff and walking on the moon, man. That's that's bad. The opening riff. Yes. Yeah, it's a little different. I can't wait to hear the rest of the record. Why don't you take us through a uh, ride again recording process for this record? Well, it's not very difficult. Pretty much, me and Steve Brown. The first song we wrote together was "Walking on the Moon." He came to my recording studio here, as you can see in the background. And uh, once we had that one song finished, it was just like magic. You know, I mean, just working with Steve, you know, he was a huge fan of mine. He said the two guitarists that influenced him to pick up a guitar was I and uh, Eddie Van Halen, God rest his soul. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, here he is sitting in his chair next to me playing with his idol you know, I'd be like me sitting next to Jimmy Page recording a record. And I, I, you know, I'd be all thumbs. So, <laughs> but he pulled it off wonderfully. Those That's songs awesome. are great. I can't wait to hear the rest of it. I gotta say, Ace, you know, since two thousand nine, you put out like six records. You know, you continue to, you know, churn them out. And Dane and I were talking over the weekend about two specific records, aside from Origins, the new one, yeah. is the Origins records. And you talk about Steve Brown being influenced by you, but, you know, obviously there's Slash and Mike McCready and your guitar sound. You talk about Eddie Van Halen. There's a distinct sound that you have, obviously, on those Kiss records and your solo records, but it's left an indelible impact on many players. But how did you decide, like, with the origin stuff, what songs to play and and who to have join you on those records? Because they're incredible. The whole concept behind the Origins series, and by the way, my next album is going to be Origins Volume 3. The whole concept behind that series was for me to re-record songs that influenced me as a teenager and in my early 20s, you know. So I don't know if you realize, but all the songs that are on those records are like late 60s. Yeah, dude. You kidding me? I know every one of them. Those are all my favorite songs, too. Those are the greatest songs of all time. Come on now. When I was 15, I cut high school and I snuck down. I went to this. uh, I wanted to see Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Then they were headlining at this theater. It was a Murray the K show. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, yeah. Yep, of course. To make a long story short, I snuck in and uh, Mitch Ryder and Detroit Wheels were great. I what what attracted me to Mitch Ryder and Detroit Wheels was Jim McCarty, his guitar player. I loved his soloing. Wonderful guitar player. Yeah. And Johnny B on drums. Come on now. Johnny Give him B. a little love. They're all good friends of mine. In fact, Jim McCarty just sent me his album. It's all acoustic. Nice. He's got Great a player. and it's all acoustic work. How about that first cactus record? Yeah. Well, you know, I I was flabbergasted. It was great to see them. And then lo and behold, you know, the Who came on and knocked my socks off with my generation. And then after the Who, the Cream played. 
these were two bands that in the back of my mind, I was saying, these guys are going to be huge. Mm -hmm. And of course I was right because I'm a prophet. <laughs> I ended up getting to meet Murray the K and Jackie the K, his wife. I think he, you know, was was willing to talk to me because I had hair down to here. And he figured I was some, you know, some cool kid or whatever. And I just told him, you know, I'm so excited to be here. You know, and I told him the truth. I said, I snuck in. He goes, I don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he was very cool. And I was just, I was talking about, you know, the English bands. And I said, you know, those bands are amazing. That was the day I decided I wanted to be in a theatrical rock group. Because when, you know, when the Who wrecked their equipment and lit off smoke bombs, so on and so forth, you know, between the Who and Alice Cooper, you know, that was kind of the two biggest influences for Kiss when we started out in 72, 73. Yeah. Me and Paul Stanley went to see Alice Cooper's Billion Dollar Baby tour at Madden Square Garden. Mm -hmm. We were still rehearsing. We didn't even know who the fuck we wanted to be. We just started, we started playing this club in Long Island and started experimenting with makeup and... Uh, the rest is history. Nice. I love that. <laughs> That's great. Well, over the, you know, we talk about the Origins records and obviously they're cover songs, but you've done a lot of cover songs on your records as well. I mean, obviously New York Groove, Do Ya. One that I love specifically a few years ago when you did that Eddie Money cover. I was just going to mention that song because I was doing an autograph signing and I was sitting there with my assistant and we just said, let's do a quick poll. And we asked kids, you know, what was their favorite song on that uh, Spaceman record? And 75% of them said, you know, the Eddie Money song. I, I identified with the lyrics immediately, and I loved the uh, chord changes and the melody. And uh, I decided to redo it. You know, I, I usually do one cover on every studio record. You know, right. for this album, 10,000 Volts, I did uh, Life of a Stranger. You can get a preview of it if you put on the Transporter movie. Jason Statham. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. At the end of the movie, when the credits start going down, that song plays over the credits. Life of a Stranger? Life of a Stranger. Okay. And it's uh, done Euro rock you know, with a drum machine, and it's very sparsely recorded. Cool. But I love the melody. I love the chord changes. And uh, I, I told Steve, I said, I want to record this song. And uh, he goes, you think you can sing it? I go, no, <laughs> I'm not sure. Because <laughs> it's the only one of the few songs I've ever heard where the uh, chorus modulates twice. But that might be a problem, you know, because I have limited range. So we ended up listening to the demo and then we decided to record it. And uh, who did the original? Nadia. But I pretty much did the exact same arrangement, except I didn't start off with the vocal like she does in the beginning. I started off with a guitar intro and then went into the first verse. That's okay. the only difference. Yeah. That's cool that it's in a film. Day. Dan. Dan. Dean. Dan. I've been called a lot worse than any of those other names, but I prefer Dane usually. Dane, yeah. you know, what the fuck the parents 
think when they name their kids? What's <laughs> I have no. My oh, mom was. You know, there was an actor named Dane Clark back in the fifties, and she had a crush on this dude. I guess I don't know. My last name's Clark, so Dane Clark. I mean, yes. my mom was smart. She just named me Paul. Yep, that was a Bible <laughs> name. All everybody was. Yeah, my parents were very religious, and I grew up a Lutheran. Yeah, the Baptist. I was a Baptist, and she didn't like that. She didn't like that band Kiss much. Mm-hmm. No, she didn't like Alice Cooper either. Baptist did. <laughs> she, oh, but you were talking about seeing a billion dollar babies tour. Let me just interject. I did too. I saw five minutes of it before she got up and made us leave. Me and my two friends who wouldn't speak to me for months after oh, that. Man. I got to hear "Hello, Hooray!" and then. <laughs> That, that was, was the it. that, was, that the was the first it. tune. Yeah, he came out and started rubbing those brass breasts. She mm-hmm. wasn't digging it. So how did how did your family take to you joining the the wicked likes of Kiss and bands like that? Did, well, you got to realize I started playing guitar when I was thirteen. By the time I was fourteen, I was doing gigs. I was in a band with my brother, and we were just doing stuff like Paul Revere and the Raiders, yeah, and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. And then eventually, you know, a dear friend of mine was in a group called uh, the Blues Magoos, Pepe Castro. I remember that band. Yeah, and, yeah, they had that massive hit. We ain't got nothing yet. Yeah. Yeah, we ain't Wait, I was known as the kid in my neighborhood who could play that guitar solo. Pretty much the solo I used in Love Gun. <laughs> hey, what's the story that now some friends of mine said they heard a story about Mike McCready and you. He stole something from you that you stole from Robbie Krieger from five to one. Oh, yeah. Well, so, I, I what, fully admit it. On, uh... Yeah, what is that? She. Oh, yeah, she. That's right. Yeah, that's fucking Robbie Krieger. Is that from, is that from, am I thinking of the Right Door song? Is it five to one? I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. I just remember that distinctive riff that he played without even hesitating. It seemed to fit the song really good. I, you know, I really feel bad because I never called Robbie and thanked him for the use of his notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, he stole it from somebody, you know, I'm say. sure. So, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's yeah. great. That's the um, way it works, man. So I've got a question on three songs from your past, and they're, they're three Kiss songs uh, from your years, maybe not as well known, that I'd love to just hear a little backstory on. One's Torpedo Girl. The other is dark light and the other is speeding back to my baby. Can you tell, can you tell me a little bit about any of those songs? Those are three of my favorites growing up. Torpedo girl was this offbeat riff that I actually, I wrote the bass part first. Okay. And I played bass on the record. Oh really? Okay. I wouldn't let Gene touch that. (laughs) You knew what you wanted. You played it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I did the guitar and then, uh, it came out of some wacky, wacky song. I was the one that came up with the idea to put man battle stations, torpedo, you know, just something crazy. And uh, Dark Light, I recorded in Toronto with Bob Ezrin, and we co-wrote it. We were recording The Elder at my studio in Connecticut at the time, and then uh, 
Bob needed to go home and he has a studio in his basement. So he said, why don't you guys all come up to Toronto and we'll finish the album up there. You work at Nimbus Nine with him? I don't know. I, I never asked him what the name of the studio. <laughs> all I remember is his uh, his car. He had this French car that went up and down. Citroen. Yeah. Citroen, yeah, Citroen. Yeah, no, he had a Citroen, and then uh, in his basement, I remember me, him, and uh, Eric Carr were jamming, and we came up with a uh, start of a jam, and then I came up with the lyrics. Great song. And the third song, uh, "Speeding Back to My Baby." Yeah, that's I started that. I wrote the riff of that first, mm -hmm. and then it just came together. How about the background singers on that? Who who are those? Who's who's doing? Oh, the, the chicks. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It may have been the chicks that sang on New York Groove. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's Anton Fig on the drums, right? Yeah. Good old Anton. I got him to play on Ten Thousand Volts. Oh, did you really? Great. Which made awesome. a huge difference. And he's playing on two other tracks. And he recently moved 40 minutes from me. So oh, nice. it's nice. to hear more of Anton Fig on Origins Volume 3. Yeah, you've got an incredible touring band. Do you want to talk about those guys? The great thing about those guys is that they're all huge Kiss fans and Ace fans. And like Jeremy, my on my left, the guitar player, guitar player, he knows every one of my guitar solos. I mean, if I forget a certain part of a solo, they'll remind me. <laughs> nice. My memory sucks. <laughs> I overdid certain things a lot in excess. <laughs> Your hard drive is getting full. That's what it is. But they're in their fifties. Those guys are in their fifties. You know, Jeremy and Ryan are from Nashville. And I recently got back my old drummer, Scott Coogan, and he's still in California. I'm, I'm going to try to get him to move to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. But he's, no, got, he's got something going on. He's got this really hot chick, and she just bought him a Corvette. So he might be doing something, right? Right. He, may he not ain't moving move. in. He yeah. ain't going to move for a while. <laughs> Forget that. That's Hot chick, sure. nice Corvette. Bye. I, I can just, I can fly to the gigs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, one last one last topic we always like to talk about because of Hugh being the album cover designer, and you know, like I mentioned, Hugh's done all of Rush's stuff and he did White Snake, Def Leppard, Iron Maiden, and others. Can we talk a little bit about album cover artwork, real quick? Yeah. Oh, I'm a graphic artist, so I love talking about art. Well, it it, it shows because when I was looking at your your projects, you know, you've you've got a real wide range. You know, the Ace Freely cover looks like Peter Max came in to do the the illustration for that. Um, you're obviously very keen on UFO and and space. Um, where does that all come from? Is that well, I'm a spaceman. I mean, I got my character from you know, I've That's been true. watching science fiction movies since I was a little toddler. Do you get involved in the actual artwork? Do you do you are you the art director in most of those projects? I designed the cover for uh, Anomaly, and it's one of my least favorite covers. I actually started in Photoshop with uh, my uh, seventy-eight solo record, and I just somehow started blurring everything and uh, making it my own. I don't know. I was. Uh, 
Well, I was a little, I was a little loaded at the time. <laughs> uh, that 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 can help. Um, were you driven by by the shelf appeal in record stores of of album covers? Were you were you motivated to buy albums based on art, or were you more? I think album covers are really important. I mean, originally this this album was going to be called "Walking on the Moon," and they did two mock-ups. And I didn't like either one. And then as we progressed uh, recording, because we hadn't finished the album when they gave me the first mock-up, uh, we decided that 10,000 Volts was a stronger single. And we started leaning towards 10,000 Volts. And then I, I, some guy walked into one of my meet and greets and he had a painting of me with three UFOs above me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's where we got the idea for the cover, pretty much. Did you, did you use that painting, or did you? No, it definitely doesn't, uh, you know, if you set one on top of the other, they're completely different. But we got the idea of the three UFOs and lightning bolts coming down, and they added amplifiers on either side of me. Yeah. Originally, the, the 10,000 volts on the bottom of the record is was in blue. I said, you got to make it red. And uh, they said, okay, we'll do it in red. And I think that was an improvement. And other than that, I didn't have too much uh, input into the cover after that. I let the artists run with it. Oh, it's often a good idea. I mean, I, I meet a lot, of, uh, a lot of musicians who are pretty focused on and pretty, pretty, uh, vocal about what they want and then you you meet the the artists that say i'll know it when i see it which is the worst because you'll end up do, you'll end up doing 12 or 16 illustrations before they say oh i like that one you know but so, you know yeah, i mean yeah i remember talking to bon jovi years ago and when they, there was a problem with the album cover art for slippery when wet oh yeah they, <laughs> I know. they just said fuck it and one of the guys wrote it on a car window or something that was uh, wet. There's actually a black trash bag. They wrote it on a black. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. They just winged it. I mean, but what they don't tell you is about there was about $10,000 worth of retouching to make that lettering <laughs> legible because <laughs> it's a great idea and certainly yeah. better, than, better than the hot chicks leaning over a Porsche at a car wash, you know, for Slippery One I wet. mean, I, I had a great really thick book of album covers um my old girlfriend stole it but uh you may you may you probably own the book it's you know it's about that thick i own several yeah the whole thing yeah. is album cover art yeah yeah you there's several with hugh's work in it i worked with john on, on new jersey his new jersey i did his cover for new jersey now ace didn't correct me if i'm wrong but didn't you create the kiss logo am i right on that or no yeah I thought so. So I want to go back to that first record and my first encounter with you guys. And my favorite song of yours uh, it would be Cold Gin, I would guess. Uh, tell us about writing that. That's, I would say, a certifiable classic, classic rock song. Riding down to rehearsals on the D train from the Bronx to where, I, where we rehearsed. And I had this riff in my head, the opening riff. 
I couldn't get it out of my head. And when I got to rehearsal, I played it for Paul, Gene, and Peter. And they said, that's a great riff. You know, you should write a song around it. And I did. And uh, it's one of the Kiss favorites today. Uh, I, I will admit something, though. G Gene wrote the breakdown section. Okay. Gene wrote the bridge. Da 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 but he, he he didn't take credit for it because you know me and Gene, I'm probably closer with Gene than well I'm definitely closer with Gene than I am with Paul, and uh, I'm very close with Peter. You know when we were in the band, not so much now, but uh, you know me and Gene were always tight, and he didn't want to take credit. He said, you know, same thing happened with that song Wolf Theme. I mean, I I wrote that. And I just decided to give everybody in the band credit for it. I love that one, man. It's generous. Great. Just that in, that instrumental tune. That's that's a good one, for sure. And then Par Parasite. You wrote Parasite as well, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And that was good. I liked Origins that real too. well until that record was cracked and it went. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a good one. Yeah, Thank that's, you. that's awesome. a damn good one on that record. It still goes over well live. That's yeah, classic absolutely. stuff, man. It's one of my daughter's favorite songs. So great one. I always, I always perform it live. Well, thank you so much for the time, Ace. We'll let you. Uh, we know you got to jump and, and grab another. So we really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck on this record. And uh, we'll look forward to maybe reconnecting down the road when you put out another one. If you need any help picking picking more cover songs, I'm your man. Because I think another Kink song on this new Origins would be good. How about one more Kink song? Oh, I'd love to do. I love the Kinks. Which one? Which one uh, are you thinking about? You've done uh, Lola. You did what? Till the end of the day. I don't know. Some another early one like uh, Tired of Waiting for You, or uh, I don't know. See my friends, or Where have all the good times gone? That's think, been done quite yeah, a few I, times. I was talking to Paul Stanley around the time I was doing, uh, you know, the record with Fire and Water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he cool made too. the commitment yeah. that he would sing a song, and we were discussing what song he he wanted to sing. And I was pretty hot on fire and water. He wanted to do my generation, but I said, "Paul, you really can't touch that song. It's like sacrilege. It would That's be me re-recording New York Rule. Can't be done." He ended up, you know, seeing it my way, and then. You know, the reason that guitar solo was so long was because I left half of it open for Paul, but he he, he said he didn't want to do the solo. Mm. So I ended up doing this long solo in one take. There was no edits during that solo. Really? I'm going to have to check that out again. You double dutied on that bad boy then. Were you a fan of the Yardbirds? Oh, yeah. Well, that would be cool. You could do one of those tunes, too, yeah. like... Uh... For your love or over under sideways down. One of those might be. Hey, you know what? There's some great guitar work on uh, that album with uh, Paul Butterfield with uh, Eric. Oh, Clinton. I know every guitar. I know every solo on that record. I see that, you know, people say, you know, you're such a unique guitar player. I go, look, I, I just copied Clapton, Hendrix, Pete Townsend. Jimmy Page. Well, no, that's the best shit ever recorded. Come on now. Can't go wrong. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you guys. 
Yeah, Me too. Two ace. I got to tell you something. You will not be disappointed with the other nine songs on the record. There's no filler. Who's the oldest guy here in this group? Oh, definitely Hugh. Hugh's not me. Come on now. Yeah, he's definitely the oldest. I'd say Hugh. Yeah. 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 When I'm on an airplane and I I go to a store, how old do you think I am? She goes, I don't know, 56, 57. I go, I'm 72. She goes, pull out your driver's license. <laughs> yeah, you and I are the same age. I mean, anybody like myself who did my first Rush album cover in 1975, I mean, that's your first clue. I have been around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. When, they when were good we... friends of ours because uh, they opened the tour for us. I know. Yeah. And I became real close with all three of them. I can't believe uh, we lost Neil Peart. No, I know. He Rest was my... Peace. He was my ally in that band. Yeah, I can't believe Eddie Van Halen is gone. I mean, yeah, I don't want to be the only guy. I can't believe Jimmy Page is still, yeah, and Clapton's still alive. Maybe the English have something in their blood. I don't know. English and New Yorkers, apparently. I guess so. (laughs) That good, clean living must be it. Well, I've been sober seventeen years, so that I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't awesome. even be here right now if I didn't get sober. Right. Well, good for you, man. Yeah. You did what you had to do, and you're still out rocking. That's all that matters, right? Hey, it's feel well, good yes. music as far as I'm concerned. As long as I make an audience happy by the end of the night, I did my job. Makes me feel good. I heard somewhere Jimmy Page hasn't had a drink for 26 years, so that, that speaks a lot, too. Uh, you know, Jimmy is like, one of the few idols that I haven't met. I met Jeff Beck. I met Pete Townsend. Well, when Jimmy did his album with David Coverdale, Coverdale Page, I did have a chance to have lunch and hang out with him for a few hours. But you'll never you'll never meet a more humble kind of working class guy who comes from a working class background and never forgot it. He did not he did not give you the sense of being a rock star at all. When I met him, he had come off the beach playing soccer with the local Cuban guys because I met him down in Florida. He was playing soccer at the time, and he didn't really want to do a meeting to talk about album covers. He wanted to go back and play soccer. So he's a, Yeah, him and uh, Rod Stewart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lovely guy. And Ray Davis back in the day before he ran after the mugger and got shot in New Orleans. Whoops. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ray Davies is still alive, right? Oh yeah, yeah. both of both of those brothers. Yeah, I can't believe they used to have fist fights backstage. Yeah. All right, guys, well, it was a pleasure. Thank you, I appreciate it. Cheers. to achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, 
the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.